0: The restaurants you love the food you crave and the people that make it all happen we tell their stories on the paper trails podcast with albemarle paper supply
1: what's going on guys how are you we're back with the paper trails podcast i'm your host nick halagir and i'm pumped to bring you episode seven of uh season two of our podcast i'm uh if you guys are just plugging in for the first time. Uh, we are a podcast all about entrepreneurship, business ownership, and the food industry. And so uh, today I have some guests. I've got Hannah and Rob um, with Mesh- Meshugana, both you guys? Yeah. Meshugana, okay. And uh, we will get into what Meshugana is because I didn't know what it was either if you guys are first uh, hearing about it. But uh, super pumped. Both these guys have a background in, in food, culinary, baking. Um, and they are uh, definitely making a splash in Charlotte, um, making some moves. They had a, a pop-up for a while. Now we're looking at moving on and, and yeah. have some big moves for 2021. Um, you know, a storefront maybe. Yeah, we're, we're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty. In the, in the process, yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it out. there. We're <laughs> finalizing the paperwork. Yeah. And so, uh, no, it's exciting. It's exciting. And as you guys know, I love to tell people's story, the background, um, you know, and just, you know, listen, uh, everybody's story is different. Everybody's background is different. Everybody's path to, to food is different. Um, and so these guys definitely know what they're doing. Uh, they're definitely in high demand. And um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to bring you guys uh, some more guests here in Charlotte. And so um, maybe let's start with this. What is, why Meshuggah? What is Meshuggah? Let's, yeah, so, you know, let's, let's, let's get that out of the man, way. And then, you know, we'll get into some backgrounds.
2: Um, so what Meshuggah is, it's a Jewish deli and bakery. <coughs> um, I kind of represent the deli side Hannah represents the bakery side. Um, we're both Jewish. Uh, we didn't know each other, uh, up until kind of we, we came together to do this. Um, the way it started was last year, uh, with all that was going on in 2020, um, we were both doing pop-ups separately. Okay. Um, I started doing the first Meshuggah pop-up was September 6th of 2020. Okay. Um, well, like not that long ago. I, no, I mean, we're less than nine months from when we started, so okay. it's kind of been a crazy trajectory. Went a lot faster than we planned. Definitely I planned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Hannah's got a lot of lots to do with why that happened. Um, so, in September, I did a pop up. My wife and I uh, did a pop up at Free Range Brewing uh, in Noda. Um, <clears throat> there, we were selling sandwiches. I think we made sixteen sandwiches. Um, first one. First one. Yeah, I'd never never sold Jewish food before. Like I've been cooking for years, never done Jewish food. We can get into that later. Okay. Um, but did did this pop up? Sold out, did another one, sold out. Did a couple more, kept selling out, doing more food every time. We were doing it at my house to the point where we broke our oven, we needed to buy a new oven. Um, which is crazy. You know what's
1: going good like, when we start breaking ovens. Yeah, it was, it was
2: actually crazy. The oven broke. Um, it was Rosh Hashanah. I was doing dinners for Rosh Hashanah. It was about a month into doing stuff. Uh-huh. And we had sold about 24 family dinners that I was making them out of my house. So I was doing dinner for like 90 people out of my house. Yeah. And, it was, and it was just my wife and I up all night cooking, baking. You can only fit like four things in the oven at a time and then you have to go and do it again. Like the last things came out of the oven and the carbon monoxide alarms start going off. I get my family out of the house, call the fire department. I'm like, oh no, the food. It was literally, like, what's going to happen? And they're like, what do you guys got going on here? I was like, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Cooking for somebody? I was like, yeah, nothing. No, no big deal. Let's, let's not talk about it. And and they're just like, but everything was good. They just said, don't use that oven anymore. Thankfully, I didn't have to cook anymore. Anyway, it's about um, towards the end of the year, we kind of connected through social media. Um, so you guys met through social media? Yeah. We had a lot of mutual friends like Dan Wheeler, uh, knew Hannah, knew free myself range. through free, free Range. We were both doing pop-ups there. So okay. she was running Moonbox Bakery. Okay. Um, kind of doing her thing, just baking awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, I knew that eventually to keep growing this thing, we we're going to need to bring on like a pastry chef. Like sure. my wife was doing Holland and she was making cookies, but she had no interest in like doing that for a career. Full scale, I've yeah. tried for years, like, come on, bake with me. And she's like, nah, nah, let's get serious. She did it for a couple months. And then she's like, this is getting too big. You have to figure out another alternative we started uh, communicating, like commenting on each other's stuff, like flirting, if you will, via social media. Sure. And uh, eventually Hannah posted something about her Bubby and Babka, and I just sent her a message and said, "Are you Jewish?" And like the rest is what kind is of Bubby. And Bob, no. Bubba, Bubby's like a grandmother. It's what Jews okay, like. Okay. Uh, Jews tend to call their grandmothers like my my mom is Bubby to my kids. Okay. Um, babka is this bread. It's like a chocolate braided bread. Hannah can really explain it. She's, okay. It's like it's amazing. Um, it's like this warm, gooey, chocolatey bread with cinnamon, and it's it's crazy. Um, yeah. So you posted that. I had no idea she was Jewish. I knew she was good at baking. Yeah. I heard all about her her baked goods. When she said she was Jewish, I was like, oh man, like this you're, is crazy. You're, it was you're, very you're, serendipitous. You're yeah. light bulb went off. Yeah. like there's a there's a there's a word in Hebrew it's called basheret. It's like means it's like meant to be. And I feel like it was there was a reason I was my wife and I had just had the conversation the same like either the same day or the day before about finding a pastry chef. And I started like putting putting feelers out to people I know. Do you know any Jewish pastry chefs? Because the thing is, is like you literally thought that I literally was thinking about like we need a Jewish pastry chef because it's I'm not a I'm not a pastry chef. Yeah. It's going to be very hard for me to be able to teach somebody these specific things that people are going to expect from us as we grow. Yeah. And so li- little did I know Hannah was like yeah, know, around right? the whole time. And so <laughs> we talked. We did a collaboration pop up together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was like January of this year. So it was like the <laughs> beginning of the year. Um, it was the first pop of the year. We, we did a collaboration. Um, admittedly, like I'm over there, like a train wreck in the corner. Hannah's got this like t- tightened up, like, <laughs> like, like selling, but, like no. everything everything's like super simple. Like, oh, here, yep, here's your order. Here's your order. <laughs> and I'm like trying to cook hot dogs and Rubens and, and make cutting pastrami to order and people it's like it's nuts it's right. like watching uh it's like watching a sideshow. like when the way i used to do it before Hannah came along and i'm like man this could be so much easier if but I then
0: just- we knew but then we we i went over there and started helping him yeah and it was just like wow this is just like yeah like we was, just the chemistry just like hit off for like, sure for working together and yeah
2: and- and, and and we just so so to get back to what meshugan really is like The word Meshuggah means crazy. Like it means someone generally in like Yiddish, it it would refer to someone who's like crazy is like kind of thinks off the wall, like outside the box, doesn't do things like kind of against the grain. And like my whole life, that's kind of how I operate. I just like, I think different. I I don't care what people think of me. Like I I just, doesn't bother me whatsoever yeah. um and then also like people for years i've been talking about like wanting to do this jewish thing in charlotte in north carolina yeah even when i was in new orleans for a little bit i talked about wanting to do it down there and it was like this food doesn't work in the south you're in the south nobody want. there's not enough of you down here it won't work and so calling it Mashuguna is twofold it was it was one because i felt like I'm kind of Masugana, but then also it's like the idea is Mashuguna. So if it's successful and the name's Mashuguna, it creates this cool story where yeah. I can say, yeah, "See, I told you it would work." <laughs> and um, so, so we we collaborated together. Um, we after that first pop up, we met up, had a had a conversation. Hannah was like, "Look, I want to work with you. Like, I want to do this. Like, let's yeah. let's figure it out." Nice. Um, we developed a partnership. She's part owner of Mashuguna. Nice. Um, we have uh, uh, some other owners that are part of it that kind of do the op side of things. Uh, Stacy and Robbie, they're awesome. Um, and we have this like little core team. It's like the four of us, my wife eventually will get back involved. Uh, <laughs> she has a, a day job right now and she's uh, like taking care of our kids and stuff when I'm out doing stuff like this. Um, and, uh, but we, we decided we are gonna do this partnership and really when Hannah officially like came on board, like things just kind of skyrocketed and like we I mean we we're at the point where we we're having 150 people lined up before we even started selling food wow and like 3 hour wait, like 3 hour 3 hours before our pop-up started people were in line um, and it just got to the point where you know the the long-term goal was to open a restaurant the short-term goal like when we first talked it was like mm-hmm. oh we could do x number of events yeah. and we'll both make money and mm-hmm. we'll do all this stuff and then it was like hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to be bigger. Like we're We <laughs> we can't do this alone, yeah. and we need to grow. And then we got some good press, and like things just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And then it ended up being in a situation where we started having landlords reach out to us, like, no hey, like, do you want to open a restaurant? And so, like you said, we're finalizing everything, getting things nailed down. We're hoping to open a place by the end of the year. Nice. Um, it, we will open a place by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of... All the details sure. that are yet to be released, so we're not quite ready to release all those details yet. Um, but yeah, that's what Michigan is all about. I mean, it's it's Jewish food. We're yeah. we're all about mm-hmm. like our culture. We're proud of it. We're not trying to hide anything. Sure. Um, we're not hiding from being Jewish, um, and that's that. that cool. Was... Mm-hmm. And how about your perspective? Like
1: mm-hmm. that
2: story. Like does it like <laughs>
1: does it like hit any? where you just like yeah. you know what? I remember that. I mean, is there anything that from that story that yeah. you want to add to
0: it? Um, I, so when I, when I met Rob, I was doing my, my pop up, moon box and I had started it because I wanted to leave the restaurant industry and just do my own thing, have my own voice. And so for so long, like throughout 2020, it was me just like baking things, not really knowing, like just being creative. Right. So I started to tap into my culture and so documenting about Babka, I even started, even before we started talking, I was even like just, like, doing R&D, like, restaurant development, where I was, like, making regula on the side, making these things on the side, and I realized that it had always been a dream of mine. Like, I... Meeting Rob, starting Meshuggana, like, the more I get into it, the more I realize that it had always been there, and so it just makes me so excited to be a part of this with him, and with his family, and the background of the story, and I, I... I feel like it's kind of emotional for me sometimes because, you know, you have these like distinct memories when yeah, you're a kid, sure. and it's so nostalgic. And I want, like, I'm so excited for the day that like we open up the, the place, for sure. and not even just Jews, uh, <clears throat> but just even just grandmothers who bring their kids yeah. to get a cookie or to get like like that's really close to me, like. As far as my grandmother and, and the memories I have of Jewish food sure. and of the baked goods and you know, she would always take me to the Jewish bakery she lived in Boca Raton and it's so close to me and so to provide this to the community is just I I'm overwhelmed with joy for well, it. Is there so. anything
2: like that? Is there anything like that around here? Not like what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. There's yeah. people who do Jewish food, not. Um, Or a version of Jewish food. The the biggest thing I'd say is for us, you know, our background is very different. Like we both come from like the fine dining world. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing kind of the fine dining culinary technique into something that traditionally is not done by people who do what we do. That makes sense. Um, So like we do everything the same way we would if we were doing at a tasting menu restaurant. We're mm-hmm. just selling sandwiches and cookies. Like yeah. it's like we're not we're not overthinking it, but we can't shake who we are as sure. cooks. And mm-hmm. it I think it and we the other cool thing is we also are like super into sourcing local ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a type of food that I don't think anyone can replicate the food we're doing because nobody's I don't know that anybody's ever made this kind of food with the ingredients we're using, where we're using it, like where we're doing it with the technique we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what differentiates our food. It's not to say that there hasn't been Jewish food before, Yeah. but there hasn't been Jewish food like this here. Gotcha. There's other places in the country that do it in a similar fashion, sure, but sure. they're in a different part of the country. So the food, the ingredients they use are different. Mm-hmm. Like we're not bringing in food from New York to do Jewish food. We're yeah. getting food from North Carolina, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and we're making, a version of jewish food that represents where we are because ultimately like that's what this food is and it's uh, <clears throat> where it comes from is people just using what they had available to them and making best making do with what they could Makes sense and mm-hmm. kind of you know the religious aspect of it like we're not a religious organization where it's more of a cultural thing for us uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um but but this food comes from religious reasons for it existing. So all these things have some sort of tie to a part of Judaism, mm-hmm. and it's a very unique thing where no matter where Jews end up, their food kind of trans transforms into this thing. It's like amalgamation of um, what's available to them where they are, when they are, and kind of. But always has these ties to this stuff in Judaism. So it's mm-hmm. kind of unique. Like you know, there's. We, we have a cool opportunity to kind of create a new version of Jewish cuisine sure. in the South that, like, mm-hmm. people aren't really familiar with, but also tie into things that people are very familiar with, like a pastrami sandwich, like a black and white cookie, it, like babka. Yeah.
0: It's surprising to me that um, people should say to you that it shouldn't work in the South when so many things about the South, as far as food goes, is so similar. For sure. Like, I mean, pickling, and yeah. there's just so many similarities. I mean,
2: itself. you look at, like... The thing, like southern food, it by nature is poor people food, right? Like so is Jewish food. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um so there's a lot of correlation in that. Like like Hannah said, like pickles. Like pickles are a huge thing in the South because it's about preservation. (coughs) Well, it's the exact same thing in Mm -hmm. Eastern Europe when they're making dill pickles, like they're just trying to preserve all their cucumbers before it gets cold. (laughs) Like that's all that was. Pastrami, yeah, like the the process of pastrami before you season it is almost exactly the same process of making ham. The only difference is we're using brisket instead of uh, a, uh, a leg of, uh, of a pig. Like, we're not, it's a different animal. Again, there it ties into people being kosher, they don't eat pork, um, so we're using beef, whereas traditionally, like for a ham, you would use pork, but we're brining and curing it the same way you would with a ham, and then we're just seasoning and smoking it. So there's a lot of ties to, to Southern cuisine. So yeah, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, it just, it's not obvious, I yes. guess, is the biggest thing. Um, so our job is to kind of make it more obvious. Like matzo ball soup is a huge thing. I like to say matzo ball soup is chicken and dumplings, except our broth is thinner and our dumplings are lighter. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same ingredients. We're just not thickening up our, our broth. We have a thin broth and these the dumplings are different. Um, we're not using butter in them. We use chicken fat in them. That's, like, that's the big difference. Gotcha. But it's basic. There's so many ties, and yeah. it's, like...
1: It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's <laughs> kind of the
2: same thing. It's just, yeah, it's just... It's like, um, you know, a Honda and a Mercedes are still both a car. Yeah. It's just, which one do you like better? Gotcha. I, I mean, not to say what, like, Jewish <laughs> Foods, a Honda, and, and Southern Foods, a yeah. Mercedes, but, you know, there's there's just... It, maybe Chevy and Ford's a better, yeah, a better, uh, you know, BMW per se, we'll yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think it's there's there's so much opportunity to kind of get creative with this cuisine, especially where we are, and kind of put our stamp on it and not really, I love it. yeah, there's no there's no rules to what we're doing because it's we're, we're in like kind of uncharted territory yeah. as far as like opening a restaurant of this kind, uh, in this part of the country. It's just something not many people have done, yeah, uh, successfully, I sure. Guess.
0: My, my favorite part of being a pastry chef in this part of the United States is the seasonality. And it makes me excited because the bakery, it's going to be like flowing with all these different things. Like in the season, it's not going to be the same or it might even be the same every week depending on what we get in and, and what's available. And so it's exciting to me just to see, you know, what we can, we, we can be creative yeah, every single sure. week and... I love that that let's let's
1: let's get into maybe a little bit of your background yes and so Hannah why don't you start give us a little bit of how you ended up did you always like baking did you I mean give us give us a little bit of context
0: Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. maybe
1: where you're from because you're Mm -hmm. not from Mm -hmm. Charlotte originally we talked about that so give us Mm -hmm. a little context of how how you ended up here
0: Okay, I'm from Florida Um, originally born in Sarasota grew up in Orlando area where I went to culinary school I like baked a lot when I was a kid and I really loved it, but I also loved film. So it was like tied between those two things, but um, I just happened to be baking one day and my parents were like, why aren't you in culinary school? So I was like, you're right. So I went and um, I have had such a really like long story as far as how I got here, but just working in the restaurant industry has been huge. Um, I actually went to culinary culinary school to do cakes Okay. Like I was really passionate about cakes, and I took a restaurant development uh, dessert class, and I was terrified. In college. In college, okay. I was terrified. But somehow, you're scared of something, and it you you it's a challenge, and it pushes you more. So without even like realizing it, I just ended up in restaurants, and it's it's. Did you it's, always work in restaurants? Yeah. So I, always, you always always. Okay. always. I mean, hotels. Okay. So like a, a lot of my career is a lot of different hotels, but mostly restaurants. Like when I moved to North Carolina, I started at a farm to table restaurant. So okay. the whole time I've been in North Carolina, <clears throat> it's been mostly restaurants and plate of desserts and breads. And so the, the passion has just kind of grown into like when you work in a restaurant, you kind of get to do all the things. You could do ice creams, you plate of dessert has so many components to it. So you kind of have to be a jack of all trades, and, and really hone in on like all types of techniques, sauces, and I think that's why I really like was grateful that I was pushed to get a culinary degree as well, because it really helps you as a pastry chef to know those techniques and to grow as a chef. And um, so you're so, yeah.
1: so you're a pastry chef, and you got a culinary yeah, background. Yeah, I, I
0: worked as a line cook for a couple years at Universal Studios, okay. which was interesting. Um, um, but you know, for a while there, I wasn't really sure which direction I was going to go, but I was just super passionate about food and I just wanted to learn. And so when I went to Italy, I interned in Italy and what was that, like? That, that was really, really cool there. Um, I didn't know the language, so I had to learn in the kitchen and I went there for a culinary degree. So I, a lot of the cooks, like I worked with them on the line. But then in the morning, so I have a morning shift, we would do pastry, and I realized, wow, you're really good at this. Like, they just kept putting me in pastry. Like, so I, after I left Italy, I realized, you know what, I'm really great at this. I really love this, and I want to, like, really learn more. Yeah. So that's when I, like, just dive deep into, into restaurant pastry, pastry work. What what was (laughs) the biggest
1: difference being in Italy, Mm -hmm. like, was there a food difference was the pay, oh, I mean, yeah. pastry I mean, give us yeah give everybody yeah. some context that maybe has never been to europe yes, I mean, I've, yes. I mean, I, <laughs> my, my family is greek i've been there you know so yeah. very different environment mm-hmm. europe than here mm-hmm. give everybody that has not experienced that mm-hmm. what's the food like what is you know is, it, is there any big differences
0: yes, yes um everything is so fresh like the farmers come in they, uh, they bring everything for that day literally for that day so um, I have this memory of I've never actually eaten a fresh apricot before. Okay. And so they had this big barrel of fresh apricots, and I looked at the chef and I was like, "What are these?" And he's like, "They're apricots." And I was like, "No way! I've never tried one." And
1: they're so fired up. I, like, I know. I was <laughs> like,
0: "Wow!" So I like took a bite, and it was just so juicy, and like all I've ever had was a dried one before. Yeah. So it was really like eye opening learning about ingredients and. Um, really like diving into the freshness of it, the the seasonality of it, and Europe is is really like that's what's close to, close about it is that everything is so fresh. Like it's amazing to watch. Like everyone af- after work they go to the store, they get the things that they they need for dinner that night. It's like a ritual at almost every day. Wow. Like because it's fresh. You know, yeah. you go to the market and you get a chicken. That was slaughtered that day you know so you have to cook it that day yeah um so yeah it it was just i mean the wine the cheese the gelato i mean italy is just what
1: was your favorite dish or pastry Mm -hmm. in italy um favorites
0: my favorite dish and it's it's stereotypical but um i did have lasagna but it was by a grandmother whose recipe her lasagna recipe was a hundred years old Wow. And it and then they and then they they drizzled their fought fa- their um, um, this particular winery made their own truffle oil and so they drizzled their own truffle oil on top of their grandmother's lasagna.
1: Oh, I mean, isn't, isn't grandma stuff?
0: Like, <laughs> I feel
1: like when you say grandma's,
0: <laughs> yeah, done, like oh that, yeah, that, that's oh yeah, oh, yeah. Right. And and gelato, yeah. hands down. I mean, like again, certain things were a ritual there, and like. A stroll at dawn, at, at sorry, at dusk in, in in Italy is very, is is a ritual thing, and you go and get your gelato and you take a stroll, um, in the piazzas, and you know it's, it's 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 just they know how to slow down. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, yeah they just know way. they know really how to <laughs> indulge in a way that's really important for your soul. Sure. And I mean,
1: um, yeah. All, all, the whole. All of life is different yeah. I mean, in Europe. I mean, it's, yes. everything is slow. Everything yes. is a little bit more mm-hmm. um, uh, enjoyment. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, I mean, it, it, at least in Greece it is, and it sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I've noticed, um, just being my family owns restaurants and mm-hmm. me being involved with restaurants and, um, you know, is, is the bakeries.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, mm-hmm. in Greece, like, nobody buys sliced bread. Mm -hmm. They go to the bakery, and Mm -hmm. they buy a kilo or a half kilo of bread, and they have it for that day or the next day, and then they go, everything is fresh like that. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. my uncle had a bakery that he Mm -hmm. now sold to his nephews, but, you know, he, um, you know, he's more long-distance relatives, but, you know, he would wake up like 2.30 in the, I mean, like, literally, like, it just, Mm
2: -hmm. and we would
1: go by, and like, you know, if we were traveling, we'd get coffee, and... You know, mm-hmm. some kind of Greek pastry, dessert, or croissant, oh, yeah, or something, sure. and we'd go visit so my aunt's, like you know, an hour away, or you know what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. Th-
2: that's the biggest difference. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of you know. It's um, like quality over um, convenience. convenience. Yeah, it's it like, is. It is. It's like, and that's yeah. Kind of the the thing about great food. Generally, it takes a lot of time. Hundred percent. It's the most important mm-hmm. ingredient is time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And People. Wow, that's interesting. You people said the most don't important ingredient like Mm -hmm. i mean especially with our stuff it's all time like like our pastrami takes two weeks to make like from the time we get the meat to the time i mean if you really want to look at like how long it takes to make it's months if you take into account dry aged beef like everything yeah Yeah. but like really great food takes time and like you think about all those old recipes it's like again we're looking at these things come from yeah, the labor of love and then it's come from time before refrigeration, like these modern conveniences and like these like grandma recipes are coming from like a place of necessity. It's not like, they didn't have a choice so they had to figure out how to make it the best with what they could do and all generally those things took time. Like like so many great cooking techniques are like those things where you just kind of, it sits on the stovetop for hours and hours and hours and just does its thing. And like baking, the same thing. like great um, breads take it's like a couple day process yeah. to make like really great bread yeah. like and and it's like you yeah. think about starters for like sourdough like yeah. there's thousand year old starters that they've been keeping up with and generations and generations it's just crazy like time is like such yeah. an important factor in food
0: all, all the desserts for sure, a lot of the jewish pastries that i do like it has steps and it has a lot of like uh rolling things out and then rolling them and then fillings and so like you have to make the dough and then you have to make the filling and so like it, it is like steps where you're like really taking that time to like you know really perfect it and really like put that time into to make
2: it. You know I mean I think it's like part of it too is you think of like all the like distractions we have these days like so many things that like take your mind off of just like getting in the kitchen and cooking yeah like I think Back where all these things come from, it's like, what else were we gonna do? Like, it became almost a form of entertainment to like create something from nothing. Like, you have flour and water and salt, and all of a sudden, you have this beautiful loaf of bread. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's really all it takes: is flour, water, and salt, and time. <laughs> that's how I see it's, it. Those are the four ingredients: time and like the environment you're in. And like, like I when I went I went to Italy uh, with my family, with my wife and and her parents uh, back before we had kids, and like there we went and did a tour of like a prosciutto factory and a balsamic play wow. a place that made balsamic and a place that made um matzo, or parmesan reggiano all three of those things are very simple in terms of what goes into them i mean the prosciutto is just ham and salt and thyme. yeah um and like parm is milk it's cream and and salt and an enzyme and time yeah um and then like balsamic is just grapes and time yeah that's it and it's just like you some of the most amazing ingredients in the world are based on just taking your time and letting nature take its course Mm -hmm. and do its thing and like they they're different from region to region because like the environment's different like the like we were talking earlier about like the humidity in Florida compared to the humidity in here. If you were like back in the day before you had like buildings where you cooked food in and you were doing it like a where you just had your window open, the air is different. And so it makes your food taste different. And there's just so many things that like old school food was so much better because it just didn't have all these modern conveniences in it. I mean, I won't be. I, won't, I would be lying if I said we don't utilize some of these modern conveniences. Sure, I mean, but it makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's more of a business thing than a sure an art thing, I guess.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it, it makes sense how you you describe time as an ingredient. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that is an interesting, uh, you know. And like the more you, the more you guys are talking, the more I'm like, I'm thinking of like my grandma's like homemade. Um, like stone, like little, like, um, sure. you know, I don't even know, the oven, the oven. Thing, yeah, that yeah, kind of thing, like in the back where she makes, like, you know, what, what we call pita. It's like, sure. it's like spinach pie or, or cheese. cheese, you know, it's, um, you know, or like I guess a modern day version of that is like whenever you see the people on YouTube cooking outside. Sure. I love that. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I know. I get yes. in, and we always find that at like, 12 at night or 1 in the morning and you're salivating for a chicken parm sub and you're like, how does this guy just make it? No,
2: <laughs> like, I, I grew up I grew up um, in Florida also and, like, right north of uh, a place called Tarpon Springs or uh-huh. a huge Greek community. Yeah. And, like, they would make phyllo from scratch. Yes. And, like, I remember as a kid, like, seeing that, I was like, what are they doing? And, like, layering this dough over and over and, and over so again. It's And it's crazy. Like, that's in, like, a whole day just to make this dough to then turn it into something else, yeah. and it's like it's crazy. It's yeah. like, like, what? Like today, people would wouldn't dream of like oh, I'm gonna, spend, that I'm gonna spend all day to make this thing so that I can make something tomorrow. <laughs> like people just don't think like that today. But like for us, it's like kind of the cool stuff. Like it's <laughs> like yeah, it, it, and and honestly, it just it's more rewarding when you do stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like you yeah. know, anybody can s- get a thing of ground beef and make a patty and throw it on a thing and yeah. there you go you got a burger Yeah, it's not that like what are you what are you really doing yeah, yeah, like yeah. and and it's like the create the creating of something from nothing is like oh this, the part that I think both of us really love um, okay. especially like going like like Hannah was talking about the markets and stuff in Italy and it's like the same thing here, like you can go to the, like sometimes if I'm like having trouble, like figuring out what I want to cook, and you just go to the farmer's market and just like look and see stuff, and you're like, okay, okay, this makes sense. We'll yeah. just do something. And like, that's the part of cooking that's like the best. And like being here where we live is like, there's so much of that available to you if you just take the time yeah. to find the <laughs> ingredients. And then it's it becomes pretty easy. I love that, I
1: uh, and your that story just now reminded me of a book I read a long time ago uh, it's called acres of diamonds and it was uh, the story takes place in Africa where this guy you know back then like there was a big rush of like diamonds mm-hmm. and he sold his property to go where all the people found diamonds come to find out his backyard had a bunch of diamonds in it so the story was you can do a lot with where you're at like 100%. you can you can create a community a style a Jewish type of in your backyard, you don't have to move. You don't have to go somewhere else. You don't have to be, you know, um, whatever. You, you don't have to go to Italy to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like you, For sure. you can do so much with what, what what we have available here, whether it's ingredients or you know. So, but um, but anyway, so um, I know we got in the hands background. Give us your background real yeah, fast. So um, you're also from Florida. I am from Florida. And a
2: Tampa Bay fan. Yes, yeah, so Super chance. <laughs> Tom Brady, TV12. Really glad <laughs> to do it. It's great. Um, yeah, I grew up. I grew up in Tampa, the Tampa area, Palm Harbor, Florida, um, which is just by Clearwater. Okay. Um, I was born down in South Florida, Hollywood. Um, moved up to Tampa when I was really young, but um, I I really didn't cook. I cooked at home. Like I, I'm like from the Food Network generation. Like okay. I grew up watching Emerald. I used to say Bam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I watched Bobby Flay and Ming Tsai and like. Um, Michael Simon. Yeah, I love that. Yep. A lot of those people, like, just, and, and really, like, that became, like, a hobby of mine when I was a kid. I was into football and I was into food. Like, nice. that was pretty much my two things. Like, naturally. Yeah, like, it's just, I love, I just, I just, I was a fat kid. I, like, you know, I like to eat, and, um, it's just, it's just what it was, and, like, when, when, I didn't, I really didn't cook a lot with, like, my parents or anything growing okay. up, um, you know. I'd cook on my own. Like I remember vividly uh, there was an incident where we went to a Chinese restaurant and got crab rangoon. So I don't keep kosher, we're doing Jewish food, I don't keep kosher. Yeah. Um, But like we had crab rangoon and like I decided I wanted to make it. And so like I had my mom buy me the ingredients. Then I decided to make it when she wasn't home. Uh And I was like, I think I was like 11 or 12. Okay. And like I'm deciding to like fry wontons and I had no shirt on and I had like the oil splattered. I had like a, like a mark on my stomach for like six weeks. Like, and like it just splattered all over me. But then I kept cooking because I really wanted to like eat these you crab out? rangoon. I was yeah. like, this is the best thing I've ever had. Like, I love this thing. Um, you know, honestly, like we, there was, food wasn't a huge part of like my house growing up. I, I say, my mom gets mad at me. Um, you know, my mom worked, she had three sons, like, uh, I'm like a child of divorce. It's like, you know, I had my stepdad as I was getting older. Um, but like my mom was busy working all the time. So like she did the best she could cooking with what the time she had. Yeah. And so I've said, like, I learned, I started wanting to cook because I never ate like, great food yeah and I, she gets mad at me she will when she sees this yeah. too i'm sorry mom we still um, you, mom. It's okay. love you it's, yeah, it's not that you can't cook it's that you didn't have enough time to cook I've, so i've, I've cleared busy. that up yeah. i've said it before and yeah. got in trouble for it um you're busy i get it as a parent i get it yeah i don't cook at home as much as i'd like to sure. um but the i didn't really cook at home my grandmother on my dad's side passed away when i was about uh, 15. I was taking it really hard. My aunt and uncle, um, I guess, were down in Florida when my grandmother passed away and noticed they lived up in the Hamptons in New York. Um, they're really religious Jewish people, or they were. Um, they decided that they talked, I guess, they talked to my parents, told them that I could come stay with them for the summer. I didn't know, but there was like this plan to like get me to work at their friend's restaurant and like uh-huh. keep me busy because I was like having a lot of trouble in school. Like I'm not a good student. I didn't go to culinary school. Yeah. Um, the I worked I was fifteen working in the Hamptons, doing prep. It was my first time being in a restaurant. What was that like? It was crazy. Like my first job in the restaurant was they had a smokehouse like next to the restaurant. It was like this like just American place. It was called the Crazy Dog Diner. Uh-huh. Um, is still it still there? Do you know? No, nah, it's not still there. Oh, he opened gosh. the owner opened a barbecue place since then called barbecue it's it's named after his daughter Um, so his name his daughter named Bobby and they named they Bobby opened barbecue Um, so it's more focused he always had this barbecue aspect that he loved so it made a lot of sense he just streamlined things but um, I was pulling like hot pork butts that just came out of the smoker with like these rubber gloves on and like pan pulling them I'd never done this before. My hands are burning. I'm like, what is happening? Like, what am I doing? And the next job, 15 years, old. 15 years old, like, I, they had me riding the bike to work. Like, they, they were just like, all right, we're going to whip this kid into shape through, through manual labor. Um, I think I was making, like, six bucks an hour cash. Yeah. Like yeah. And, um, you know, they, I went to, like, the next thing they had me, like, peeling shrimp and stuff like that, like, in a walk-in because they knew, like, I'm too slow to do it. Outside of the walk-in in the middle of the summer like so they like had me in the walk-in like in frigid temperatures like peeling things. Yeah, down. and then by the end of that first summer, I was like working the grill <coughs> Like I just was picking things up really quickly Okay, to, and I was like I want to learn more like let me cook. I want to cook was that your first taste of like really Yeah, enjoying- my first time being in a restaurant is was, was honestly my first time being around different people from me okay. like you know, people who didn't speak English, like, uh there was, like, it was a, it was my first time being around a lot of things, yeah. my, my first time doing things I probably shouldn't have done, Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, but I, like, by the end of it, they had me working the grill at, like, dinner service, like, nice. it was crazy, like, I was 15, like, I mean, the sous chef would, like, be standing next to me, making sure, but, like, he basically watched the line while he made sure I wasn't screwing things up, they learned, I would learned how to cook meat to temp, and, like. 15 years old that's always kind of been my niche when uh I I've been in restaurants I always ended up on the grill uh-huh. um just because of that like I think that's the first thing I learned uh-huh. um, and so I was doing that they asked me to come back the following summer I did like kept learning things by that like summer I'm 16 years old and I'm I'm their grill guy for the summer no and like in the hamptons like I remember like Puff which, Daddy. Which, is a, which is a nice area, right? Yeah, like I mean, Puff, been, Puff but... Daddy like came and ordered like from his limo. Like we, I made cheeseburgers for Puff Daddy and his family. I remember they're like, yeah, this is for Puff Daddy because like they all these famous people lived out there. Yeah. Um, which for the younger generation now is P Diddy, P Diddy, he, or Diddy. might the- <laughs> just Diddy at this point. Or younger people might not even know who he is anymore. I don't know. He he was pretty big back then. Yeah, I mean, this was, was like uh, the late '90s, early yeah late 100%. '90s, early two thousand. <laughs> Um, so I did that. you know it was great. They I had asked those guys like because oh, like you know I'm 16 at this point. yeah I think uh, I didn't go back because I was playing football and like <coughs> once I like started playing varsity football, I couldn't be gone for the summer. yeah um, So I didn't work the rest through high school like I was just like, barely scraping by to graduate high school. Yeah. So like I, I was in summer school and things like that. Yeah. So I didn't have time to like go work. Yeah. I asked them about culinary school and they're like, nah, just go work, man. You're already <laughs> you're already better than a lot of culinary students. The the, the chefs and the people like, in the, the restaurant they said, Don't waste your time. We all went to culinary school like I was not as good as you at sixteen. Like you don't need to go to culinary wow. school. Like you've learned enough already. Go go get jobs and learn. Like Which which, which is interesting. I, I did not know uh, until Daniel Wheeler told me yeah. that
1: uh, you know the food industry is one of the few that you can actually through experience
2: learn yeah. and become a chef that's how it
0: used to be i, I mean, it,
2: I mean culinary culinary school is honestly in my opinion there's a lot of benefits to it sure mm-hmm. to good ones yeah but in a lot of ways like the development of culinary schools in a lot of it's like a money grab like yeah it's like they, what they do in culinary school and and this isn't every culinary school sure so i don't want to like yeah. generalize gotcha but yeah. like a lot of people go to culinary school and are sold on this dream that when you graduate, you're a chef. Yeah. And like that isn't real. Like mm-hmm. you, like I've had culinary students I work with who have no idea what they're doing in a kitchen, Still, like how to yeah. how to actual func- function in an actual professional yeah. kitchen. Yeah. And it's yeah. not to say they don't want to. It's just there's a steep learning curve of the the class a classroom setting is so different from. And again, I've never been in those classrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can only imagine. And hearing from people who did sure. work in those classrooms mm-hmm. like the setting of a classroom is so different from the setting of a restaurant 100%. and like being in a service a busy service and like you can't the do everything perfect yeah, Every, yeah, yeah like, not everything's going to be yeah. perfect but you need to figure yeah. out how to make it perfect yeah, exactly. and just like adapt on the fly yeah. like that's the pa- biggest thing
0: I feel like pastry is a little bit different absolutely just a little yeah. bit just as a sense of like being focused on like all right I'm learning how to do laminated dough today. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't really get that unless you were like focused on something, you know? So you, you know, just-
2: Well, that being said, like, I agree. Like pastry is very regimented Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like I think Hannah's unique in the sense that she doesn't need like complete structure, which is part of why her food's really great, I think. Uh Um, But like on the savory side, like building flavor and stuff, it's all about, like, feel in a lot of ways and, like, developing your palate. And, like, mm-hmm. it's hard to do that if you're not just doing it every day. Yeah. And um, what happens is you can't you can't just go work at, like, Taco Bell or Carrabba's or Olive Garden and learn to be a chef. That's not going to happen. Like, yeah. you need to find the right mentors and the right yes. chefs to yes. work for and people who actually, like, take pride in teaching the next generation on how to do this this one. work. And and that's the hardest part, is finding the right restaurants. Because, look, mm-hmm. I love restaurants. Mm-hmm. Not every chef mm-hmm. is really trying to make chefs out of their cooks. It's and like, that's not a thing. That's something we are really and passionate that, about. Yeah, that's and it's I'm like, so it's part of do, what yeah. we're doing is like mm-hmm. we want to develop people through our company. Because yeah. um, it's not something that's easy to find. Like going back into my story it's like I worked through college I dropped out I think it's five times I dropped out of college um five different schools uh, many community colleges um, but I cooked the whole time Yeah. and what ended up happening I was dating my now wife long distance we met at summer camp we worked at summer camp together here in North Carolina um, and basically it got to the point where she's like look like, I was at Florida State in Tallahassee like my whole childhood, like my parents went to Florida State. My brother went to Florida State. Like I wanted to go to Florida State. I'm a huge Florida State football fan. Yeah. Um, finally got into Florida State. I'm in these classes, and I was skipping class so I could go cook and work work my job. Yeah. I was like working at a hibachi place. Yeah. And I was like doing hibachi, and like I'd rather do that than go to class. And like my. So like you knew then you were like, all right, I, I just. I just always wanted. Well, you didn't know I, I worked tobacco.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no! I just didn't know that you were skipping class to go. Yeah, bachi, like just, which is really funny because I have a similar story. I was skipping class because I got caught in uh, pastry books at a bookstore yeah. right down the road from college. I was so like I would go to this bookstore. and I was so into these recipes and reading them that I would like. This was before culinary school, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like, it's very just similar like you,
2: you just you dive yeah. in and you like yeah. fall in love with it and yeah. like you can't shake it and like. <laughs> uh my wife told me i mean she wasn't my wife at the time she was just my girlfriend she said look if we want to keep doing this you need to come up to boston because i can't do this long distancing anymore she had a year and a half left in school she knew i never went to class and i wasn't going to probably graduate i was probably going to get kicked out again yeah. for not going to class um and so i was just like well i I guess I can it. cook up there. Yeah. It's Boston. If I can't find a place to cook in Boston, like, what do I I've never lived outside of Florida, so, like, it was kind of cool to, like, go to a big city. And when I got there, you know, I was there for about five weeks and couldn't find a job that I wanted. Wow. Because for me, it was, like, I knew that this was an opportunity to, like, take my career, like, what I wanted to be my career. Because it wasn't a career yet. Yeah. Turn it into a career. And I knew that that meant getting into the right kind of kitchen. Like, I went around everywhere looking for jobs. There was, like, I worked, I would start, like, I did, like, stages and, like, would leave, like, 20 minutes. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. Like, this is terrible. Like, just places were just dumps and, like, they treated their people terrible. And I was just like, I can't. I can't work in these places. I ended up getting, somehow, convincing, uh Barbara Lynch has a restaurant in Boston. It's like a a. Institution there's called number nine park. Um, I did a stage there So for one day they let me come in and the idea is it's like a working interview to see if you're the right kind of fit for For their thing. It's a super fine dining place like really high-end and What happened was very quickly. They knew I could not hang in that kitchen Um, Which Admittedly like was the case. I was not ready to be in a kitchen like that. Sure. However, what they did there was and they probably have no idea who i am they don't remember me yeah. i'm sure of it they they cooked they do a tasting menu there they made me the entire tasting menu and i watched them have serve it like cook service and their um their maitre d talked me through every course wow and then the chefs were as they have plated things they the individual cooks would talk me through every course and it, it blew my mind. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I still have the menu because they gave me the menu and I still have the notebook and I was taking notes about everything I did there. I still have it and, um, you know, there's, it was it was wild and they were like super into like seasonal ingredients and like that was like my first exposure to that and then like, To like find, to like to find tasting Yeah, and they told me, um, but they said yeah. like, look, go get a job, work for a year, come back and then and we'll talk. Okay. So, what I did was, I started, kept looking for a job, couldn't find one. I actually, we were living on in Beacon Hill in the with roommates, my dog. There's four of us in a three bedroom apartment with my dog. Yeah, um, I, I'm living there. I'm frustrated. My wife's at school. I have no money left. I have no job. I'm like, what oh, this is terrible. This girl's parents are gonna hate me. I'm freeloading off of like her family. This is insane. Like, like I like I had no money left. I'm, yeah. I'm four years older than her. Like I'm just this like, bum at this point. <laughs> and I'm like, I stroll down to the bar down at the corner, across from Mass General Hospital. I stroll in there, I'm sitting at the bar having a drink, like Drowning my sorrows, and the bartender, this guy Rob McCaffrey, he's like, he's like, just starts talking to me. He's like, "What's, his, what's your deal?" Yeah. Uh, he's like, "You're not from here." Yeah. And like, he has this like Boston accent, yeah. like. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, like uh, I moved here, with my girlfriend, like I need a job. He's like, "What do you do?" I was like, "I cook, kinda." He's like, "What?" I was like, "What do you mean kinda?" I was, I was like, uh, "He's like, you want to meet the chef?" I was like, "Sure." And he, the chef, this guy, Nick, comes out. Nick Dixon, he, he comes out, introduces himself. He's like, he's his voice, he's, I can't even do it. It's such a thick Boston accent. He's yeah. got red hair, like Irish guy. yeah He's like, you want to work? I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, all right. He's like, come back tomorrow. He's like, where do you live? I live literally like up the block, seven seven apartments up the block. yeah Like a walk there. Yeah. Like um, I came in and he had me cook. Cook for him. That's how he determined if he was gonna hire me. He's like, go go cook whatever you want. And this is still, this is what I do now. I've done everywhere I've been. If you wanna work for me, just cook something. I don't need you to cook my food. I need you to cook what you cook. Cause like, you're not gonna learn how we do it in 10 minutes, it's impossible. So just come in and cook. And he did that. And I remember I made this like bizarre, like sauteed calamari dish. It's probably something I had in Tarpon Springs. Like, it was like very like Greek Mediterranean, like weird, so outside of like what I cook now. Uh But like, I made it and he's like, he's like, it's crazy. He's like, you came in here and you you sauteed calamari. He's like, nobody sautes calamari. He's like, people would be terrified to screw it up. And somehow he's like, have you ever done this before? I was like, no, he's like, he's like, how did you not make it bad? He's like, he's like, how did you know what to do? I was like, I don't know. I watch cooking shows. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's <laughs> like, a, like, it like, know, like, it was a question. I really had no idea. I just like winged it. I was terrified. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just made something. And, and he's like, this is great. He's like, you start tomorrow. I worked there. There were sous chefs at the time. They ended up leaving for other opportunities. Like I basically worked myself up to like a pseudo sous chef by the end of it. huh. Um, you know, we ended up leaving Boston about a year later. Nick was going on to open some other restaurants. We left Boston. That's when we moved here. My wife uh, had graduated at this point. Um, I worked for about a year in Boston. I I left cooking because he left the restaurant. His new restaurant wasn't open yet. I didn't want to be at that place without the people I signed up with. I was working building websites for this like company, this like startup company uh, in Boston. I did that. Um, We left, came to North Carolina because my dad was here and we had no more money and Boston was getting expensive. We had two dogs at this point, moved here. Could not find a job that I that I liked that I thought was on the same level as Boston food. Uh, yeah, I became a food snob at this point. Came here and like <laughs> was like, Man, Charlotte's terrible. There's no food here. This place sucks. I don't wanna live here. Uh huh. I what what, what, I what missed, years is this? This is goodness. 2014 okay so it was before like things really started popping off here that makes sense Um, but there were a lot of places but it's just food media here wasn't what it was in Boston so it's hard to find those places sure Um, I ended up getting a job at Publix doing cooking demos so I was like it's a now defunct program called apron simple meals I was like standing Doing cooking demonstrations and like this shirt, I look like a, a lunch lady with the hairnet. It was ridiculous, and but like, and I'm like this guy, and everybody else who had my job was like older ladies and gentlemen that like in their 60s and they're like retired working. and i'm yeah. just like cranking out food and doing like <laughs> double the cooks that anybody else does in a day and they're like "What the, what is this guy and like yeah. finally the, the store manager is like do you want to go to a different department and like work so like i ended up moving to the meat department working i ran the seafood department um at the ballantyne Publix. i was actually the first employee that Publix hired in the state of north carolina when they came here so i was the first person they hired because i was the first one at the door because i needed a job and I ended up staying there for about three and a half years. It was after my wife and I got married. She's like, you're miserable. Like, what, what's happened to you? Like, yeah. you're not the same guy. Like, when we were in Boston, I was like, I miss cooking. Like, I love cooking. It's like me. It's what I do. Yeah. I, like, but like, I can't, like, I'm making money now. Like, good benefits. I've health insurance. I have all these things I've never had before. Yeah. But I want to cook. She's like, so go cook and we'll figure the rest out. Dang. And so, That's awesome. so... <laughs> gets me, uh, get me on work, done. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um,
1: I mean, so, I, I, yeah. The reason that I say it's awesome is because, yes. like, there's something about chasing what you love yeah. and your passion that you just can't replicate it, man. Nah. You know what and, I
2: mean? and, and I think, so, so at that point, um, I ended up, I sent two emails, because I, I started doing some research, you know, I was making at that point I was making like 18 bucks an hour at Publix, which five years ago is good. Yeah. Um, I had full benefits, health yeah. insurance, a 401k, stock options, all these things. Yeah. Which in a lot of ways is part of why we've developed what we've developed here, which we can get into that too. Um, but I had all these things, but I wanted this other thing. That yeah. I didn't care about anything else, um, and so. I I looked I tried to figure out that it was like the same week the Charlotte magazine like best restaurants in Charlotte came out Uh so I bought the magazine and I'm flipping through it and the number one and number two restaurants was Heritage food and drink was in Waxhaw and Kindred was in Davidson I'm living in Pineville which is like dead center between the two it's an hour it's 45 minutes to an hour to either one but those are the only two places I decided I was working yeah Um, so I sent both places an email um, got a response from heritage went down there chef paul basically it's funny because we were, i saw him yesterday and we were talking about it and he's just like he's like it's crazy like that that was so recent but it seems so long ago like yeah. i remember i was about to turn i had just turned 30 because i'll be 35 next month and he said to me he's like what's wrong with you he's like why the hell would you want to do this He's like, you have a job, you're making money, you have all these things, you're never going to get this again. Like, if you come back to this world, like, what is, what's wrong with you? He's like, man, this is just what I want to do. Like, I don't, I have no idea. I said, but I'm not happy. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. He's like, all right. So he let me do a stage. I remember Heritage was this crazy kitchen. It's tiny, yeah. like a little hole in the wall, 30 seat restaurant in Waxhaw. Okay. Um, But like. By the time I left, he had been nominated for like a James Beard wow. and like in this hole in the wall out in the boonies, like 40 minutes away from Charlotte. and yeah. like in some nondescript city that people don't know about outside yeah. of Charlotte. Yeah. And, but like it was, there was a that kitchen, every person in that kitchen when I was there and now either runs uh, either a kitchen or runs a pastry department somewhere in Charlotte, nice. every single person um, down to the dishwasher at the time eventually was running a kitchen do you think uh sorry to interrupt but do no. you think it
1: has anything to do with chef paul or leadership or i mean what
2: like why do you think that happened i think there's a lot of layers to it i think what i think it yeah it definitely had something to do with like chef paul is different like he's 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 super passionate about like the craft of cooking and there's just like there's no wiggle room like he has an expectation and that's like either meet it or don't yeah you you can meet it or don't work here yeah kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. like it's hard to work for him yeah to be honest like he knows it though he's a lot different now i think he's calmed down a little bit (laughs) he's 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 a good guy um but uh he i think what it also was was the people who were in there all had the same goals everybody in there wanted to be the best in what Mm. they do. And I think it's like this competition thing in a way, and I've worked in other kitchens like that as well, where like every single person there wanted to be the best at what they do, and you can't help but get better when you're in that environment. And it doesn't, at that point, it doesn't even matter who's in charge. And not to say that that's like anything against Chef Paul, but like all of us wanted to be better. It's just the right people. And we had a chef who wanted the food to be better. So it was like, you're in an environment where everybody wants to be great at what they do. And it, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about any anything other than how can we get the best food on the plate. Yeah. And like I was plating desserts for like Ashley Boyd, who's like anyone in Charlotte knows. Like she is like the the godmother of of Charlotte pastry. Like I think every like badass pastry chef in town at some point worked with Ashley. Okay. Um. And I that was like my job there. I was plating her desserts, and I like never plated anything like this it's like had these charts with like everything like laid out to the T. one of these one of these one ounce of this one of, and i'm like holy shit what <laughs> this is crazy it's like it's like reading a textbook while i'm also plating and yeah. like i'm also doing appetizers yeah. and like it was crazy yeah. like learned to multitask very quickly um at that point i left uh at the end of my first year there my last service was new year's eve i guess 2016 um I moved to New Orleans to open a restaurant with my brother yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who uh, runs like bars down there. So his wife and himself and their business partner decided they wanted to open a restaurant. They asked me if I would come down and run the kitchen. Did that, didn't work out. Yeah. I left, um, ended up working at this place, Coquette. That's another environment where like everyone in that kitchen was just a badass. Like I was the worst, I had gone from running a kitchen to being the worst person in the kitchen overnight. Wow, It was crazy. And I was like, it was a real like, and the funny thing is my first job there was peeling shrimp outside in 30 degree weather, which is a weird, like full circle moment from like when I was 15 yeah. and like now I'm 30 something and I'm doing the same thing starting over again. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. But like, I loved it. I was like, all right, I can work in this kitchen. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the only reason we left there is because my wife got pregnant and my daughter was born and we just weren't sure we wanted to raise our kids there. We owned a house here, so we decided to move back. Makes sense. Um, and at that point, like the prior to COVID, for about two years, I was working for Rare Roots. Um, I worked at Fino, and then I was the executive chef at the Porter's house. Um, and then during COVID, I just decided I was done working for other people. Like I just, Which is how Michigan I got. and that's it. Like that I just, me as well. yeah, I just didn't want to work for anybody <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Like I know like my, as you can tell, my resume is not normal. I have a very short cooking career, but like, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter to me. I've, I, every place I've been, I've taken as much from that situation as I could. 100%. And then when I felt like I could no longer learn anything, it's time to go. Yeah. The only exception to that rule was coquette and and heritage both of those places i could have kept growing but there was opportunities that that came about that just were too much to pass up yeah. um but the thing is as up uh, i think the biggest thing is like everybody the old school way of doing things is you go to a place and you stay there and you just earn your earn earn your time like, through time you earn an opportunity to like move up in the kitchen yeah and for me it's like if you know you're not learning why stay yeah like you gotta, like, if you want to get ahead in this business, it's not about necessarily, it's all about being in environments where you can learn and grow, and you're going to be able to build what you have in your repertoire, not just from cooking, but, like, understanding the business of restaurants, understanding how the front of the house works, like, understanding the whole operation. If you don't have people who are going to teach you that, go find someone who will, because there's plenty of us out there who want to teach that, because, we understand that we wouldn't exist without people doing that for us. True. But there's a lot of places that just don't, it's just not built like that. Like that's not their goal. Their goal is to make money. And like we have a thing that I say and it's becoming like, we're doing like this thing for Meshuggah it's like the the Meshuggah Commandments. Like, so like the 10 commandments yeah. like being real corny. Yeah, yeah. And like the number one thing is like people over profits. Like that's it, like 100%. That's the way we operate. That's the way we're going to operate. There's nothing that will ever change that. Like I will not, Put my name on a business and not say we're putting money over people like yeah. it's just not because without people putting me over necessarily the bottom line I don't like none of this exists yeah. so that's like the biggest thing for me and that's I'd say for anybody who's wanting to like get ahead in this business just yeah. find the right people to work for which which is a great great piece of advice you know
1: as we're wrapping up um, Hannah, one piece of advice for anybody that wants to get in the pastry side you know so Rob's side was growth, find an environment, a culture to learn, to grow, maybe find some mentors, you know, mm-hmm. find some people that really, you know, um, mm-hmm. which I love. I, I love the fact that, you know, because you're right. I mean, there's some, certain environments that people will teach you and do want you to get better. And then do want you to pass them, you know what I mean? And then there's certain that maybe that's not the case, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that piece of advice. Anything for the pastry side? I mean, if somebody's yeah. out there listening that would like to, you yeah. know,
0: I would say to be very open to the fact that each kitchen you go to you're going to learn like one technique is going to be completely different to another technique. So really like being open to so many different ways of doing one thing or that one chef will do certain things a certain way and you have to do it that way if you're working with that specific person but also just like gaining as much knowledge as you can as far as being in the pastry world. And you, if you're working in a restaurant and you have a sous chef working right next to you, ask questions, mm. you know, like everything on either side, even my side sure. helps cooks as well. For so sure. being open to both sides of the spectrum, it's all food and it's all gonna come, you know, it's all first full circle and it's all gonna help you be better at your craft.
2: And like, uh, just to yeah. uh, add to that, I'd say, when you're asking those questions, that's how you figure out if you're working for the right
0: people. Yeah. Cuz
2: there's no trait, like nothing's a secret in food. Yeah. <laughs> there's no secrets. Every yeah. you can yeah. search on the internet and find out how to do anything. Yeah. So if you're working with someone who you ask a question and just don't worry about it, like you don't mm-hmm. need to worry about that. Like just mm-hmm. do your prep, that's probably not the right person to work for. Yeah. Yeah. Because what what they're not understanding is that as you grow, they grow. Yeah. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. is like as a as an employer, as a chef, like you're only as good as the team around you. 100%. So if you're not trying to make the people around you better, mm-hmm. then what are you doing? Yeah. Like you're not getting better. Your yeah. restaurant's not getting better. Your kitchen's not getting better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a big thing. And like like Hannah said, like there's, you can learn from the dishwasher. You oh, can learn yeah. from the busboy. You can learn from anybody. 100%. Like uh, everybody's got something that they're good at sure. and something that they understand better than you. And it's just not typecasting by. Like oh they're in this position they must not be capable of doing anything else. Every job is important. Yeah, everything matters. Team. Yeah, and I think it's it's very. You got to understand that like you. Everybody in a restaurant or any business has value. Plays a role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just. Accentuating their talents and then Mm -hmm. also, when you're teaching them, you're learning from them at the same time. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a double-edged sword, and there's like i think not enough people understand that and it's kind of especially in the last few years like our industry has really forgotten a lot of what created the great stuff in our industry and that's really it is mentorship like yeah. it's that's the biggest thing in cooking and, and it's you know i learned from anna constantly like just how right, to be, I gotcha. yeah and i think it's like we're we're very similar in a lot of ways and we're super different in a lot of ways yeah. and like You know we're in different places in our lives, and like it's there's so many things like and that even that like stuff outside the kitchen that you can learn from people. Sure. It's just make you a better
1: person. Hundred percent. I think, I think the one thing that uh, Uh, is commonality, and we'll wrap up with this is like everybody in our industry has has a huge heart. Yeah. We just love food. We love people. We love together. We love. It's like that. Comment. We're all different, but like we all kind of have that. You know what I mean? So, um, anyway, I love this. I yeah, I love you. this. I thought. I mean, listen. You know, you, you guys now got the story behind Mushuga, how it came about. Um, you know, the short journey, but honestly, like the the long you know uh, life and 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 experiences that you guys have. Italy, Boston. I mean, like the whole thing. I mean, it's it's amazing. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed it. If you guys not, check them out. you got to follow them on all their platforms. Is Instagram the, the biggest? Yeah,
2: and then go check out our Kickstarter. We're trying to build sure. some of that Plug stuff it. we're talking about. So we have a Kickstarter that we're trying to do. Um, the reason we're trying to do it is all the stuff we've been talking about is we're trying to create a better environment for the people who are going to work with us. And so to do that, part of that is we're going <coughs> to offer equity in our business to the people who work with us. Um, and that goes from... Hannah being the pastry chef to the person washing dishes you stick with us you grow with us you're going to get something on the back end it's not going to just be here's your paycheck figure the rest of life out yourself like we want to grow individuals and give them careers and and eventually we want we want like my dream is to hire a dishwasher from a sugar that one day opens a restaurant nice and that's like that's the stuff we're going to do like I I say it's my dream like we're going to do it yeah it's just Part of it is being able to fund it this first one, yeah. and not have to give away the whole business to people who aren't going to work with us every sure. day, and and that's a huge part of it. So if you check out our Instagram, it's Meshugana. It's straight up Meshugana. M e s h u g g a n a h. It's a it's a mouthful, but yeah. you know, um, you can you can go on there. We got a link in the bio. You get on the Kickstarter. There's a bunch of cool stuff that you can get. Um, you can I mean a dollar helps. Like honestly yeah, like. Sure. We're we're trying to raise quite a bit of money and, and we're trying to do things different and I think you know I think there's a lot of people who will benefit not just in our restaurants but like we have a lot of community initiatives we want to be a part of and biggest thing is getting open and, love it and, and being able to do that so we appreciate the opportunity to talk about it yes. hundred percent
1: follow these guys and uh, look forward to hearing more from them and so episode seven in the books good to see you guys we'll uh, we'll see you in the next episode thank you.
0: The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.